All right, go ahead and begin making your way back to your seats. Good morning and welcome to church. My name is Travis. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. So thankful that you have joined us today and in this new year as we uh, get to uh, look forward to all that God has before us. I, I love this time of the year, <clears throat> both personally, but also for, for the church as we take the time to lean into uh, the things that God has set before us. It's kind of a, a reset, a recalibration, and uh, maybe more than any of that, a, a realignment to God, what is on your heart? God, where are you leading us and how can we stay in step with those things? And, um, and this year, as we've prepared that both locally as a church, we've also uh, done that as, as an Antioch movement, a family of churches on, on mission to see uh, disciples made and churches planted in the nations of the earth. And, uh, and every year as a movement, we, uh, we have people from different ones of the churches represented, sending in um, thoughts and words and scriptures that, that, uh, that, that speak of what God is doing in, in their local bodies and on their teams. And uh, then we got a group of people that kind of takes all of those things and uh, says, God, what are you speaking? And what are the themes? And um, as that was... uh that was done this year, a very clear theme came to the surface and it was the theme of one family together on mission. And, and so uh, we, as, as we kind of were a part of that process and, uh, and, and asked God how that was to, to manifest itself in our midst, we begin to get really excited about where God is leading us this season as one family uh, on mission together with him. And uh, anywhere that, uh, that we go, and I've heard Jimmy, who's uh, Jimmy Seibert, who's the leader of the Antioch movement, uh, as he goes different places to, to speak and to share, uh, he's, he's often said, one of the things that people ask me about or want to wanna know about how we're wired as a family of churches is specifically that. How, how have you done family? How have you done authenticity and relationship? And, uh, and because I think it's something that marks us. And I think that in, in, uh, in, in our day and in this hour, it's something that people are looking for. For. What does it look like to, to have a, a kind of a covenant family that you can, that can do life with? And, uh, and a big piece of that is being on mission together, that we're, we've come together around the person of Jesus and around the things that are on his heart. And so we're going to be spending the next several weeks talking about family and talking about being on mission together and, uh, and, and what that looks like. And so uh, one of the things that we've had the, the, the opportunity to do over the last several weeks uh, is to uh, share with you and introduce you to people that are in town with us, that are missionaries serving on the field, that are back on furlough or back visiting family. And we've got some more of those in town. I saw Kyle, we introduced a couple weeks ago, is up on the base, like old familiar place, you know, it's awesome having him back up here. Uh, we've got uh, Jason and Courtney Roder who are here. Are they in the service right now? I don't know if they're in here. Yeah, they're back there. Uh, so they're back in town with us. Uh, we've got Josue and Natalia who aren't here this morning, but they are in town. And, uh, and these guys actually, uh, Jason and Courtney, 
and Josue and Natalia. First of all, I just want to say this. I always give this plug, but I, but I want to do it again and implore you to, uh, to actually to take me up on it, all right? And that is to go and introduce yourself to these people if you don't know them, okay? If, if, you, don't, if you haven't had the opportunity to, to meet these guys, uh, we, we want to encourage you to do that, uh, to go and introduce yourselves. To, uh, because one of the things that happens is while uh, there are many people that, are, that know them and love them, often they'll come back after being on the field for a few years and it'll be like, oh my goodness, I feel like I don't know anybody. Like it's, it's, there's been so much change. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Jason and Courtney are going to be in our multi-purpose room, which is just off here, off the side of the lobby. Uh, and they're going to be there right after the service. And so I encourage you to go by uh, and see them, say hello, hear more about their vision. How can I get in their boat? Uh, Josue and Natalia are doing the same thing. Thing in the same place Tuesday night 6:30 and so uh, it's just it it really for me is a is a picture of this one family on mission together. This is our, our family who is out on the mission field. And one of the ways that we also over the years have tried to support them and come alongside them is through our, our short-term trips. And, um, and so I wanna give a quick announcement uh, around those as well. We've been sharing with you about these upcoming trips and the deadline for registration for our summer trips, uh, some of which are going to the locations where these guys are serving uh, is coming up in on January. January 21st. And so want to encourage you to pray about uh, being a part of one of those trips uh, as we go through kind of some of it and, and unpack some of the vision that God's spoken. We'll be getting to mission a little bit later on, but want to make sure that we're all aware of opportunities to actually go on, uh, go on mission with the church family. And so you can find all that information for the different places that we're going to be going and the dates of those trips and costs uh, on the hubs, maybe the easiest way to get there and to find out information on, on those trips. And we also have a spring break trip going to Tijuana, Mexico. We're believing for 150 people uh, to sign up and go and be a part of that trip as we go and partner with a sister church, All People's Tijuana, and uh, as we've done in the past and uh, share the gospel uh, to do service projects. We're going to have a, we'll have a drama team and a dance team. We'll, uh, we'll be equipping you in how to share the gospel and, uh, and how to connect them to the church there. One of the things I love about the spring break trip is that every morning we get up and uh, gather together for a time of worship and getting in God's word together. And then in the afternoon and early evening, we just get to go and pour out everything that he's just filled us up with. And so, uh, and so it's, a, it's an incredible time and has been very impactful for our church family over the years. So again, you can find information on that uh, at the hub. And next week, uh, we're going to be having an info meeting. So for any information that you don't find there, any other questions you have or particulars uh, that you'd like to talk with someone about, we're going to have an info meeting just before this service. So it's going to be just after uh, the first service, about 1020. So I'd be coming a little early uh, if you normally come to this service uh, to be a part of that, that interest meeting. But these are some of the, the practical things of, uh, of being on mission together uh, as, as one family. And so wanted to let you guys know about that. And, uh, and as we go through this morning, 
Here's kind of what I want to do. Uh, I, I want to share a little bit just to, generally about the, the, this, this vision of being a family and why I believe it's so needed today and in this hour. And then I want to share just uh, briefly some of the, the practical outworkings of that, some of the ways that we are trying to corporately respond uh, to the, the word that God is giving us. And, uh, and then I want to end up real quickly with what is kind of the first, what's the first step? What, where do, we, where do we begin as we move into this word of being one family on mission together? And so, um, so I, I want to look for just a moment at John 16. And um, my, my plan was not to spend much time there. I ended up spending way too much time in the first service. We'll see if I can correct that. Uh, I just got a little excited. Um, and because in John 16, we, we're going to find a few promises that I, that I want to look at. And, um, and, I, and I think it's, it's timely for the hour that we are in. And when, when I say the hour that we're in, I, I'm referring to, to something that I think that we all understand and, and feel that we are in an interesting hour in the world, that, that there seems to be chaos and division, the things that are ever changing. There uh, is uh, perhaps more antagonism towards the, the truth of the word of God. Uh, there's more temptation for the people of God to veer away from the truth that's found in, in God's word that is for us, that is foundational, applicable today, and that is our authority. And so it is, it is an hour for us and that, that God is looking for those who will stand on the truth of God's word, remain faithful to Jesus, and, and to walk humbly with God with a, with a banner of his love for the world around us. And um, and I was having a conversation uh, on Friday with a, a dear woman in our church who has been walking with the Lord for, uh, for decades and decades, is no longer able to come to church on, on Sundays uh, because of her health and was just, just talking with her. And it was such a, a beautiful experience as she was taking me through things that God was speaking to her and the prayer that she was praying for, for Antioch, for our church. She was like, I'm praying that we would just be a redeemed, spirit-filled people people that carry the hope and love of Jesus into the world around. I was like, all right, like there's some fire left in, in this one, uh, you know, and uh, I was, I was encouraged, but we were, we were talking about um, just really how every generation and maybe multiple times in a generation, but every generation comes to, to these, these times, these, this, where it feels like there's an hour here where God is, is asking the, and looking for the faithful uh, that, would, that would stand, that would proclaim, that would walk in, in purity and walk with a, a, a narrowness and a focus on Jesus and um, not, not picking up the things of the world, but as we sang this morning, just behold him and carrying his truth. And she was relating back to World War II where she grew up in and just how there was a, this same kind of feeling about the, the darkness and uh, the, the grief in, in, in the world and what does it look like to follow Jesus. And, um, and, and we have that with the disciples in John 16. Jesus has kind of, kind of discreetly, or at least in a way that they weren't fully comprehending, sharing with them that he's going to leave. And they had all kind of, what do you mean you're going to leave? Why, why would you leave? Like you're, you're going somewhere, you're coming back. We don't, we don't understand, but they were understanding enough that it began to fill, fill them with grief. And so they're, they're wrestling with this. And in, in John 16, 7, 
Um, you know, in, in verse six, it actually says, you know, you're fill, Jesus says, you're filled with grief because of the things I've said. But in verse seven, he says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so, uh, you know, that's a whole message and a very encouraging one at that in, in this scripture in that Jesus is saying to the disciples that it's better for you if I go away. And they're thinking, no, it's not. <laughs> that's, that's plain and simple what they're thinking. No, it's not. It's not better for us that you go away. There, there's no one like you. You're the Messiah. We've, we've given up everything to follow you. And yet Jesus says that uh, it's better for you because when I go, you will receive the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the one that the Father will send. Uh, and so there's something there for us that we don't have time to get into. Uh, of Are we walking with the Holy Spirit in such a way that we would come into agreement with Jesus and saying, actually, yeah, I, you know, I've never walked in, in the physical with Jesus, but, but this, this is better. Like, man, how could it be any better than, the, than walking in the spirit in the way that, that, that I am? Because that's what Jesus says. It's better for you to have the spirit than even for me to walk beside you. And, and so that's kind of one of those blowaways that would cause us to say, am I experiencing that? Is that a reality in my life? And if not, how do I move in that direction? Okay, that's for another day. The promise that we're talking about simply is that, hey, in the grief, in the turmoil, in the I don't understand and I'm concerned, know this, that the Holy Spirit is with you, that I've given you the Holy Spirit. Because now we're on the other side of that and we've now received the Spirit. And, and it's, it's so powerful, it's so potent and meaningful that it's better that even than Jesus walking right beside us. Because the Spirit of God is indwelling us, is with us, comes on us in power. Uh, secondly, I just wanna skip down here a little bit to verse 20. Um, again, these guys are dealing with grief and, and he's, Jesus says to them this in verse 20. Again, he starts out, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. That, that, that hit me as, as I was looking at that this week. Um, because I think there's a, there's a reality there that that the people of God can feel, especially as we talk about an, an hour, a, a time and an hour in our, in our world where God is asking his people that would say, that would want to remain faithful and want to proclaim Jesus, would want to carry a banner of his love that's being communicated with compassion, but with great clarity around his truth, uh, that, that, that it would be that we would find that the world is celebrating the very thing that we're grieving and, and you know, and, and feeling that, feeling that, that tension, like the, it feels like there are things in our world today that are, that are being celebrated, that are being promoted, that are being described as, as accepting and loving. And, and, and yet we, as the people of God, we, we turn to this and we say, what well, there's, there's something not lining up because, because who God is, is love. 
God is love. That's, that's the, the a revelation of, of who God is. Not even that he's just loving, but actually the description is he is love. And so everything in this book um, is to, to that end, is, is motivated by that characteristic, by his nature of love, meaning that we, we, we read this as not arbitrary commands or arbitrary rules or regulations, but actually it is like guidelines to experience life and joy and peace because the God of the Bible is a God who loves us. And, and so when I navigate um, the, the issues of the day, and there are many, many of those issues and many voices with social media and the like that are, that are constantly um, even if we're allowing it in inadvertently or just there's this noise and voices, we, we've got to be a people who go to the word of God and understand that, the, with, that when those voices, even if it's uh, saying, hey, this is loving and this is what love is and this is what it means to care for people, but it is in contradiction to the word of God, then we can know it is not loving. It is not caring for people because the God of the Bible is love and he is motivated by love and he cares for us perfectly. He is the creator God who designed us. And so he knows exactly what fulfills, what satisfies, what brings joy. And so I can confidently stand and say uh, with, with, with love, but conviction and clarity that, that the truth of his word is the most loving thing that I can proclaim. It's not coming under the, the, the guises of love in our world, but it's saying, well, this is what God says. And he is a perfectly loving father, which we're gonna get to in a moment. And, um, and see, this is where I got sidetracked earlier too, and I just did it again. But, but it's just important for us, I think, to know that there is an hour that we live in an hour that makes me think of one of my favorite Old Testament passages describing the eyes of the Lord searching to and fro looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking for a people to strengthen whose hearts are fully committed to him, to his ways, to his truth. And so that's, that's, uh, that's so, I hear, what I hear that I hear, I think that's where we are. That's where we are, where, where we are weeping, we're mourning uh, some of the things happening in our world while the world rejoices. But here's the promise. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. He gives an example of it. Uh, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child has been born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And so the promise of the Lord, even in a season of, of grieving and, and mourning uh, the, the, the plight of the world or the circumstances that we're in, and we can both talk about that uh, on, a, on a broad level in ways that we're all experiencing it. And each of you could tell me stories about how you're personally experiencing some of the trial, the difficulty, the being overwhelmed, the being stressed, the, the fight against anxiety uh, or discouragement. And, and, and in that, we have the promise that there is a joy for us to attain, that there is a joy in the midst of it that it says that no one will be able to take away. 
a joy that no one will be able to take away. And so we're asking God, give us that joy. Let us lay hold of that joy that, that no circumstance, no person, no world event can take away because it's, it's found in you and you are always with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. And so uh, j- just for time's sake, let me move down. I wanna just share one, one final thing here. In verse 31, this is how, how uh, the, the discourse in chapter 16 ends. Jesus says, do you now believe? Do you now believe? They, they've kind of, they're, they're beginning to understand. Um, and Jesus is saying, do you, do you now believe? Have you finally come to that place of belief? And, and I, I wanna kind of pose that same question to us. Do we believe? Do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do we, be, do we believe uh, that, this, that, that the word of God is true and accurate and an authority for our lives as it proclaims uh, the, the truth of, of who Jesus is, as it, it demonstrates the character and nature of God, as it describes the, the church and the, the, the power of the spirit moving through his people, do we, do we believe it? He's asking this question because this is what follows. The time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone for my father is with me. And here's the last promise, part of which is not the fun, most fun promise. But I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace for in this world you will have trouble. This is, this is a guarantee, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So the promise is you will have trouble, but you can know that he has overcome the world, that all authority in heaven and on earth is his. It's been given to him, that he is God, that he is over all things. And so we, we walk in, in this truth saying we, we believe and though the, time, though the times may be difficult, there, though there may be adversity, uh, though there, there may be that which stands in opposition to the things of God, the truth of God, the people of God, that, that we, we walk because, with him because we believe. And we're able to walk through times of trouble because we believe that he is overcome. And... I want to finish this, this little time, this, little, this first section by just acknowledging where Jesus goes in, in John 17. I'm not going to read from it. But in John 17, we have Jesus then praying for his disciples and praying for all those that would believe in him. And what does he pray? But he prays for unity. He prays that we would be unified. He prays that as we, we enter this hour and as there's trouble in this world, but as we take heart and we, we, we walk by faith, that we would be unified, that we would be family, that, that we would be a, a covenant family coming together as the people of God to be a demonstration of what the world is, is longing for, to be a part of something bigger than themselves, to, to understand that there is a, a, a calling on our lives and, and it's not to do something independently, but that God has given us a people uh, to run with. And, and so his prayer is that we would be, that we would be unified, that though there would be differences, though that there would be would be just like we experience in a nuclear family, there, there are difficulties. Uh, you, when, you ex- when you describe a family and all the beautiful aspects of family, you never describe it as perfect. You know, I have the perfect family. You know, I have a great family, but not 
the perfect family, that's just not a way that anybody describes their family as great as the family is. It's not perfect. Uh, there, there, there are times where you have to choose to forgive. Right? There, there are times where you have to lay down the thing that you wanted to do and your agenda. There, there are times where you, where you serve and where you, you, you love through, through demonstrating that at cost to yourself. Uh, there are, are laying down of offenses. There, there are things with family that's not always easy, but we know it's good. It's no, we know it's what we were made for. We're not meant to be alone. And so the church is the picture of the family of God and it's a picture of, of unity. The, though there may be things that, uh, that differences and different backgrounds and places that we come from and experiences and different ways that we see different aspects of the wor- world, we come together unified, a family around the person of Jesus and the things that are on his heart, the mission that he carries. And it, it coalesces us as, as a people to, to, to run together. And so we, we want uh, to, to be just that at, at the level that God has called us to so that we might be a, a people that glorifies God and, and through our unity as a family um, that people are drawn into the community of believers, just like we see in places like Acts chapter two. And so I, I wanna transition just to what, what is a practical response and then go into what is the, what's the first place of, our first place of understanding that we wanna launch into and their practical response. And um, because when, when uh, there's a strength on a word of the Lord, you're like, okay, God, what do we do? How do we corporately respond to that? And, uh, and the thing that we felt very compelled by the Lord to do though it, it also presents a, a, um, some challenges is that on February 4th, the first Sunday in February, uh, for a season, we are going to be moving to, to one service. And, um, and so the, the challenges are this room is going to be very, very full. Uh, even, even this morning, uh, it's going to be full, uh, but and so, but that'll, that'll be a beautiful thing. We feel, we feel like God has said that for a season, as we come together as one family on on mission together, uh, that I want that. I want everybody under one roof, uh, worshiping with one voice, uh, kind of in a sense, like getting our marching orders as the family of God to go out on mission together and then to reassemble to, uh, to, together as, as a family. Um, we, we've not done, uh, you know, we, we haven't always had the opportunity to do that. We've had anywhere up to three services at different times in the season of our church, but there's something really sweet about a season uh, of coming all together in, in one place. And so we're going to begin that uh, the first Sunday in February. And we don't, we don't exactly know, so I'm sorry for the ambiguity. We're just trying to take the next step. Uh, could be anywhere from two to six months that, that we, we do that uh, as the Lord leads or as we fit or if it works, you know. Um, but we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna go that direction. And one of the things that we're really excited about is, is something that, that, that is in, in complement to this one service it, that will be at 10 a.m. Uh, is that we're gonna have a, a 
pre-service time of prayer and worship. And uh, our staff and worship team is really excited. Like there's like a, a, a real anticipation around what that, uh, that time could be beginning at 9 a.m. every Sunday where we're going to have what's sometimes called like a, a harp and bowl time of prayer and, and worship uh, led by our worship team and a, and a prayer facilitator where we're gonna be taking opportunity to pray for things going on in the world praying over uh, one another, praying over the, the church service that's to come. I, I, I feel like it's going to be a kind of a time to saturate this place uh, with the prayers of the saints and the presence of God. Uh, so that even those that aren't a part of that, when they come into that 10 a.m. service, it's gonna be like, oh my goodness, it feels like there's been people in here for the last hour praying and worshiping and just expecting God. And so we're really excited about what God's going to do in, in that time. Um, one of the things that we've been trying to really uh, work out uh, on a logistics level is our kids ministry. Uh, because if you think it's gonna be packed in here, which it is, it's gonna be really packed in there. So we're, we're trying to figure that out and, and get our, our teams and, and systems worked out. And one of the things that, that, that we're going to, to be launching is uh, a, a campaign for increasing the, the size of uh, our volunteer base for our kids ministry team members. Uh, we've got many people that serve uh, weekly uh, because they're able to attend one service and serve one service. Um, but now uh, for this next season, that's not going to be the case. And uh, we want them to, to be able to be in here and not get burned out by, by serving every single single week in that regard. And so we are looking to add uh, to our kids ministry team, uh, people that would volunteer of their time to serve. We're looking for, for 200 is what we've kind of uh, estimated, 200 volunteers that, that we will need. And so we're, you're going to be seeing it over the next few weeks. We're going to be tracking uh, the growth of that. Uh, you can find all this information on, on our website, antiochphx.com slash one. O-N-E, not the, the actual uh, numeral, but O-N-E. And it's got all the information about kind of the vision behind this, uh, the, the practicals of when it's beginning and the times, uh, as well as specifically our, our need uh, for people to volunteer to be kids ministry team members. And, and, uh, and while in one way that has presented a challenge for us, uh, as we've walked through it, I, I actually feel like this is part of what God is actually doing. That it's not just like a, a result of like, oh, if we're gonna do this, this we've got to do this. But, but actually there, there's something that God's wanting to do in our family, not just bringing us all together, but taking us out of what can so easily happen in the American church where we become kind of consumeristic, where, uh, and, uh, where, you know, and that's kind of the, the world that we live in, especially being in a big city where you can go to any, any corner and be like, oh, well, I like this about that church and this, and like, oh, I, I like when that, and this makes me feel good. And they have this really great thing. I like doing that. And it's like, we, we, everything is based on what, what kind of we can get out of it and, and, and how we can be fed and what we can receive. And that is a part of church. Uh, our, our hope is that you are receiving uh, anytime that you come here. You're receiving from God. You're receiving from the truth of his word. You're receiving from those around you that are praying for you or what have you. But part of a family, that's uh, just as much a benefit as the times of receiving is the opportunity to serve, to give of yourself, uh, to help uh, make something what it could be. And there's something really beneficial in an individual as well 
well as in the family when everybody is taking part in that. That we're not just saying, oh, I don't know, I'm going to do this or that. There's actually more buy-in. There's more like, there's more belief. There's more like, hey, uh, uh, opportunities uh, for us to, to grow in different ways as we serve and pour out and not just receive. And so I actually think there's something strategic here where we began just with the thought of everybody under one roof being all together, that there's even more that God's wanting to do. I, I, I see families signing up and saying, hey, this is our serve Sunday. And this is why we serve because this is our church family and we wanna love people and we're gonna serve. And so on that third Sunday, that's when our family serves. I, I see entire life groups saying, hey, let's, let's serve on, on this second Sunday of the week and we're, we're gonna get in there and serve. And it's just the week that our life group serves. And when a new person comes to your life group, you're like, hey, hey, you need to sign up because our life group, we serve on the second Sunday. And so uh, sign up quick. So, because that's coming up soon, like where that's a part of what we do as the family. And so I think there's health there. There, there's a real health there. And so I wanna encourage you, again, we're gonna be kind of rolling this out over the next few weeks in preparation for that first week in Sunday, uh, but you, uh, in February, first Sunday in February, um, but you can find that information uh, uh, at our, on our website. I think that, that'll take you right there, but it's uh, antiochphx.com slash one. But uh, it feels to us like there, there is something ab- about this season uh, and the word that God's spoken that, that needed us to, to kind of to, to shake something up. Like, God, it feels like you're shaking something up, that it's not just business as usual. And so we're, we're really excited about what God wants to do um, as we come together as one family, serving the body uh, and, and really becoming a, a healthy family together on mission. And uh, the place that it starts, and here's where, where I'll end this. The, the place where it starts, as I think about family, is the recognition, the acknowledgement, the, the, the deep knowing of God as father. That's why we're a family, because he's a father, okay? They're, they're, uh, and, and we live in a generation uh, that is, that is, plagued by negative statistics that come from fatherlessness. And um, it, it's, it's a real issue in our nation. And uh, the, the plight of children that grow up in fatherless homes is, uh, and the, is it's much more difficult. And, uh, and as, as the research shows, different aspects that that, that journey takes children on, making it all the more potent when the world hears that God is a father, that he's a good father, that his intentions are good, that that he wants to know you and he wants to make himself known. It's a powerful, powerful revelation that not only increases our intimacy with God, but it also uh, gives us a, a frame of reference and, a, and an identity in him that strengthens our relationships with the family. Because we identify more with the family because we identify more with God as a, as a father. And, and, and so we strengthen relationships with brothers and sisters. I wanna look at one final passage of scripture 
um, to, to finish up our time together. And, um, and what I want to leave us with is, is both an excitement for what's to come uh, and the, the vision from God uh, as we walk through, through this hour in our world today. Uh, and, and let it begin with just a, a fresh coming back to the, to the Father heart of God that's been extended to, towards us. The, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Galatian, in, in Galatia says this, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And so we begin here in verse four with the the depiction of the life and incarnation of Jesus who lived perfectly under the law. He, he satisfied every requirement, completely fulfilled every expectation of the law. And, and because of that, uh, we move into the beginning of verse five and we, we find that the, the death of Jesus, the one who fulfilled the law was the redemption price that was paid to set free the slaves of sin and death that he redeemed those under the law, the ones that were slaves to law keeping, slaves to sin, um, headed towards death. And there, that redemption price was Jesus himself. And, uh, but through the, the giving up of his life, uh, Jesus satisfied all the demands of the, the justice of the father and the requirements of the law. And so through it, he purchased for himself a people from every tribe, tongue and nation. He, he made us no longer slaves, but sons and daughters which is powerful. It's, it's not only that we're no longer slaves, it's not only that we are free, but that we are sons and daughters, not just free men and women, but sons and daughters. He didn't have to do that, but that's who he is. He is a father. And so we're, we're told that, he, that we receive adoption to sonship that he made a way for us to be a part of the family. He didn't stop with being free men and women, but he said, I want you to be sons and daughters. And it says in verse six, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. So it's not just in name indeed that you are sons and daughters. And it's like, oh yeah, I know that, I've heard that. But, but so that there wouldn't be any attachment issues. So there wouldn't be any kind of disassociation as one who has been brought into the, to the family of God. He says, I, I don't want it to just be something on the exterior that I, I stamp on you're a son or a daughter, but I want something working from the inside out. And so I'm gonna put the spirit of my own son within them, the spirit of Jesus, so that from inside they're crying out, there's a, a re something resonating in them. Abba, Father, he is my Abba, he's my father, he's my dad, he's good to me. 
He cares for me. And so there's something from deep within that God, God purposefully, so that we would know that we would know that we are sons and daughters. He not only says, this is what you are, but I'm gonna put something inside of you that, that speaks that same thing. So you're hearing it from, from the word of God here. You're a son and you're a daughter. And you're also hearing it from in here, something resonating from within you saying, you're a son, you're a daughter of the most high God. You have value, you have worth, you are loved. Do you know him in that way? Do you know him in, in that way where there's no distance? There, there, there's never a perception where you feel like he's disinterested. Do you know his affection, his care for you? Have you experienced the, the reality not just the, the knowledge uh, of, of being a legally a son or daughter, but have you, ex have you experienced the reality of it? The experienced reality of, of knowing sonship, knowing that you're his daughter. And, and actually Paul here goes another step further to solidify uh, this, this truth. Um, he wants us to know it. He says in verse seven, so, so no longer you a slave, but God's child. And since you're his child, God has also made you an heir. He's made you an heir. He's gone so far as to prove it and say, everything that's mine is yours. All the riches of heaven, everything in the kingdom, it's yours. Anything you ask for, it will be, it will be done for you. Like, and I, all the, all, the, all the pleasures, all, all, the, all the joy, uh, all the, the, the peace, it's, it's yours. You, you, you're an heir of everything that's mine is yours. He's wanting us to know that we know that we know that we are a son and daughter. It's an incredible, incredible revelation. And actually, I want you to just bow your heads with me right now, close your eyes. And I want you to just ask God for a fresh revelation, a fresh revealing of himself to you as a father. As a good father. Yeah, Lord, as we come together as a family and we desire to respond to this word, to be a, a covenanted family, a family that has one another's backs, a family that, that moves into the world today um, through the adversity of the world, through the antagonism of the world that's coming against the, the truth of the word of God that's coming against the person of Jesus. I pray that we would be a family that doesn't have to look over our shoulders to make sure we're not get, getting, getting the, the friendly fire, so to speak, but that we would be a, a family imperfect as we are, that is covenanted together to, to run after Jesus, to walk with a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. Thank you, God. 
last night I was at the service at Antioch Arcadia, the church we planted back in August, and uh, there was near 200 people in the room as we uh, installed Matthew Anderson as a senior leader of the church, and we talked about just a, being a people with a passion for Jesus, who are surrendered to him. We're living into his purposes and it was just so incredible in the room to, to feel the, the people of God coming uh, together and saying, that's what, we, that's what we want. We as a church are called to usher revival into the Phoenix Valley that transforms nations through church planning movements. We're believing that we as a people would come alive in God, experience a reviving in God. And that that revival would be contagious in your workplaces, in your extended families, in your schools, that it would be a contagious place of I want life in God like he or she has life in God. And that that, that revival would impact not only our neighbors and the Starbucks baristas that we interact with, but, but actually that there would be people in our midst that are called to see churches planted and disciples made in unreached areas, that, that we would see church planting movements uh, across the globe. And we've gotten a small taste of that, even as I introduced some of the guys on the field, but, but there's more that we've been invited to be a part of. And he's inviting us again, and, and it takes being a family, being in something together, being a part of something bigger than ourselves. And the family is strengthened uh, as relationship with the father is strengthened. So too, our, our brother and sister relationships as, as, the, as the father is at the, is, at the, is at the core. And so I believe God's inviting us back in tonight to know him as this morning, to know him as father. So I wanna invite you to stand up with me. And I wanna read this over you. And I, I wanna invite you to, to agree with it, whatever that looks like. If that's just an internal agreement, uh, as I declare who he is as, as a father, maybe you wanna speak it out loud and you speak it under your breath, however you wanna do it. But I, I want us to, to come into a place of agreement about who God is as a father, okay? So however you need to respond, you can repeat after me, but just agree in some way. God is my father. He has sacrificed greatly for me. He has paid for me. He has adopted me. He loves me. He enjoys me. He is with me. He pursues me. He rejoices with me. He weeps with me. He never leaves me. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called sons and daughters of God. And that is what we are. First John 3, 1. And so today I'm gonna invite our ministry team to come on up here to the front. If you need prayer for anything, whether we talked about it today or not, I wanna encourage you to come and receive prayer. We believe that God answers prayer. If there's something stirring in you today about being a part of the family of God and you wanna know what that looks like, how I have relationship with God, we'd love to talk with you about how you can know Jesus today. Just talk with you about it. If you have questions, we'd love to pray with you. You can respond today. As always, the front is open up. And I believe that there's a, a significant invitation to, to us today to receive the, the Father's love again.
And, and specifically, if there was one of those statements I read out that you felt a little hesitancy in your spirit, like, oh, does he really enjoy me? Like, I just said that, but it, I don't know if I believe that. Or that he weeps with me. I, you know, I felt a little bit alone in some of my pain and my grieving. Does he really weeping with me? Does he see me? Like, I would encourage you to press into that. Say, God, would you reveal to me how you weep with me? Would you reveal to me how you enjoy me? And, and we just wanna provide this space. And as we sometimes need to just move out of our seats, move out of where we are and say, God, I just wanna come and get on my knees and say, I wanna know you as a father. Would you reveal yourself to me as a father? And so if you need to do that, I wanna encourage you to just begin coming down right now. And, and as we respond to God as a family.